Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. One o'clock hour on Out of Bounds. Two hours to go on your beautiful Saturday if you're traveling, if you're doing something for Father's Day. That is tomorrow. Congratulations. Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. Speaking of dads, the guys on Fesco in the morning, 715 on Fesco in the morning, uh, registered to win Taco Truck Fiesta from Salty Eguena. Uh, also, check out the 435 Podcast Network. Pretty fun stuff over there. I do a podcast called the uh, Subplotcast. This last week, I did uh, the movie Little Big League. Okay. I found it very odd that Lou Collins, the glorified baseball player on the Minnesota Twins, was having sexual relationships with his boss's mom. His boss was also 12 years old. Problematic. It's weird. You do one too, correct? Yes. I do all caught up every Monday morning. Go through the biggest stories that happened in Kansas City the week before and look ahead to everything going on in the city for the upcoming week as well. There you go. 435 Podcast Network. Other guys that do stuff on there. Steven Spector, he does the, uh, what is it, the Push It? Or Pray for the Push. Pray for the Push podcast about gambling. Jason Ketz does one over hockey, which uh, his is done. Not really. He'll do some more hockey stuff. He'll get you in the offseason. The Mavericks talk will come up. Um, he's a big Blackhawks guy, so fill his Twitter handle with St. Louis Blues celebratory uh, champagne celebrations. They're doing their parade in St. Louis. Um, that's cute. Hopefully they do one in Kansas City for the football team, and then all those kids and gents and ladies and grandparents can come to Kansas City and watch the Chiefs do a parade. Later on in the show, um, not too much longer, we will do our uh, Father's Day edition of fictional characters that are good or bad when it comes to uh, TV and uh, movie dads, maybe you've got an idea. If you do, 69306, the Protein House Eat With a Purpose text line. Uh, the Royals played in Omaha. We'll get to who they left behind, but they also had a huge mess up on ESPN's part. Yeah, so I guess the um, camera or whatever, everything stopped for ESPN. So um, I'm not sure if my parents caught it, but I, I'm sure they got a clip of it. So that was Nikki Lopez in postgame because ESPN's cameras stopped working and they lost the feed to the game, and we missed Nikki Lopez's first career home run in a stadium that they've never played in a Major League Baseball game before. Great job, awesome. ESPN. Yeah, good awesome. job. Awesome work. Four-letter network couldn't get it done. Or they were just really tired of watching the Tigers and the Royals. Fair enough. Whatever your theory is, I'm just being skeptical. But it's interesting to know that when it comes to the Royals playing in Omaha, I think that's a good trend. I think that's fun. There was 25,000-plus of that game. A lot of people came out for it. Unfortunately, Alex Gordon didn't play because he got hit by a pitch, had a lingering injury, so he needed to sit out a game because, of course, Alex Gordon was hit by a pitch. But there were two things that you didn't see in Omaha. Nicky Lopez's home run and Bubba Starling. And boy, is Bubba Starling continuing to be a hot topic of baseball in Kansas City Royals. And I'm all on board. For me, when it comes to Bubba Starling, I'm just tired. 
I'm tired of the waiting game. I'm tired of the, well, he doesn't have any options. Okay, Terrence Gore does. What is Terrence Gore doing on this team that is, what, 22 and 47? Mm -hmm. Has only won three games since we did a show last time, which was two weeks ago on a Saturday? Mm -hmm. I don't know how to preach this more, but I don't understand where it's not happening. I'm not saying that Bubba Starling is going to get 10,000, 5,000 people to come out to a Royals game. But I'm telling you that Bubba Starling is going to get people just that much more intrigued into your team. And I'm sure Dayton Moore has this glorified plan of when he decides to bring him up and when he wants to do that. But when it comes to not bringing Bubba Starling up and making moves that they do and explaining it the way they do, to me, it just doesn't make sense. They just called up Jorge Bonifacio and sent down Ryan O'Hearn. Now, I read Jeffrey Flanagan's tweet of MLB.com, Royals beat writer. And basically, he said that Ned said the reason they bring up Jorge Bonifacio is to keep him in here because they have a string of lefties coming up. He'll fit the void pretty nicely, and he'll be gone once Hunter Dozier comes back. I don't buy it. Jorge Bonifacio has been atrocious in the minor leagues this year. His batting average is 195, and he has 11 home runs. You sit down Ryan O'Hearn to figure it out, and you brought up Ryan O'Hearn. Yeah, basically. I mean, look at their at-bats, too. Ryan O'Hearn had 186 at-bats, 220 in the minors this year for Jorge Bonifacio. So we're looking at some very comparable numbers here. And, yeah, 195 batting average for Boney, and then you've got a 188 for Ryan O'Hearn. And I'm pretty sure that Jorge Bonifacio is out of options as well. I could be wrong. But to give Jeffrey Flanagan the full credit and the exact tweet, he said, Ned seemed to indicate Jorge Bonifacio likely would be here just until Hunter Dozier comes back, which could be in the next week. They will face all lefty starters in Seattle, and Bonifacio provides some protection. That's Ned's explanation. Which, if that's the way it goes, oh my goodness, I'm sorry. Steven Serta just tweeted out a picture of him and Hartzell. Hartzell is wearing a crop top, Buzz family shirt. And Steve has got the guns out. If you're out at Boulevardia, get down there, man. Steve, Steve Serta from Show and Vern. I mean, shades on, cut off. I mean, he's got he's got the sleeveless. He's got the guns out. He's got a smile from ear to ear. Anyways, back to Bubba Starling. When you have a season and you have things not going your way, you have a season that is lagging or is not really making the successful routes that you want. You've got to do what you can to really make things interesting. I think it's safe to say the Royals are officially out of it. You think? 25 games below 500. Minnesota is absolutely playing phenomenal baseball. And it's only June. How do you keep people intrigued and entertained? You bring up guys that are entertaining. Jorge Bonifacio doesn't do it. Kelvin Gutierrez doesn't do it. Been there, done that with both of those guys. Bubba Starling doesn't have any options left. If he fails, whoops. If he doesn't, holy smokes. Yeah, if he fails, I mean, he was drafted in 2011. It's been eight years. It's about time to give the guy a chance. Terrence Gore, no options. Is he part of the future? No. Does he do anything to help your team out? No. 
you called, what, Lucas Duda up? Ugh. So that's where I get at. Because it all goes back to when Kyle Zimmer got sent down. Oh, we're going to send him down, try to get things figured out, and we'll see what he does in Omaha. He's been decent. He hasn't been great. But, I mean, how much longer are we going to wait on some of these guys? And when it comes to Terrence Gordon, zero options. When it comes to Jorge Bonifacio, maybe zero options. I just don't understand it. And in a season where your season is just in disarray and completely just melting at your hands, why not give Bubba a shot when he's played the best baseball he's ever played? And what would have been a better time ever to have Bubba Starling play than in Omaha? Yeah. Because you missed it with Alex Gordon because he got hit by a pitch and it lingered on and he couldn't really play and then you need to give him a day. And everybody in Omaha loves Alex Gordon. In fact, I remember, I think it was two years ago, I went around a Royals parking lot, did like a man on the street type bit. Mm-hmm. And it was when Gordon wasn't hitting very well and it was really bad. And I was like, should Alex Gordon be, um, you know, is Alex Gordon's contract, one of the, you know, whatever, just to like Nebraska fans. And I mean, Nick, I'm telling you, they were so... They were so defensive when it came to Alex Gordon. It was like, okay, 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 my bad, my bad. Sorry. And to think about that is crazy because now Alex Gordon is turning around in this year. Granted, he has a club option for next year, which is very rich. Way too much money. 20-plus million. Yeah. But when it comes to a season where you were literally 22 and 47 and you want to keep fans in the seats and you want to keep things entertaining and intriguing and fun, we all know there's no postseason happening this year. But at least we could see what we want to see. Because at this point, what you have done has not been successful. Maybe taking an ear and saying, you know what? What do we got to lose? Why not call up this Bubba kid? Why not let him prove it out? And with the way social media is these days, when you can see Bubba Starley making great catches in center field, and you can get on his numbers really quick and see that he's hitting 350 plus or 330 plus, and that he's got a little bit of pop, and then he's stealing bases and not getting picked off as much as maybe Billy Hamilton or Terrence Gore is. It just makes it hard for us to understand what's really going on. 25 games out of 500. You're not going to win the division. You're not going to make the playoffs. It's June, and you've got guys and girls and fans and young kids and older men and older women standing in line to get to St. Joe to watch training camp. Yeah, there's a lot going on in training camp, but there's a lot going on in Omaha, and you got guys like Brett Phillips that are entertaining and fun. You got guys like Bubba Starling who are getting everybody to talk about Triple A. Like when people are talking more about your Triple A team than they are your Major League team, something ain't right. Mm-hmm. And I know this might piss some people off that really, really like the Royals or are involved with the Royals, and I'm sorry, but you know what pisses me off? 25 games under 500, and you call up guys like Jorge Bonifacio that are hitting 195 in Triple A with 11 home runs. Just because you have lefties coming and through your way in Seattle. Three games they've won in two weeks. Three games. I'm sorry if I'm too negative, but that's just the way it is sometimes. Well, it's just like, what are you waiting on? Like, what other eight-year investment are you going to wait eight years before you actually see if it has potential of paying off or not? Like, if, if you call them up and it doesn't work out, then you can move on. Start finding a new outfielder. It just doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense to keep on waiting, keep pushing this back. It's just insane. It just, it, again, I know that I'm not a manager of baseball. I have no professional baseball experience, but I know that when you're 25 games under 500 and it's June 15th and you've got a guy in your minor league system that's getting talked about more than anybody on your major league roster, 
you might want to think about putting him in the stand and put him on the field to play in the games because maybe you'll get more people interested in your squad that's 25 games under 500. Coming up, college basketball is starting to get a little bit more relevant for a local team in the Kansas Jayhawks, and Bill Self has a new problem, but it's a good problem to have compared to what he used to have. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. Updated odds to win the U.S. Open. Rory McIlroy, 4-1. Justin Rose, 9-2. Gary Woodland, local guy, Topeka, 5-1. Brooks Kepka 7-1. Tiger Woods, 50-1. It's fine. He's only 10 shots behind. Be a nice payday. I'd take 50-1 odds on Tiger. Yeah. Other guys at 50-1, Francisco Molinari, Sergio Garcia, Henrik Stenson. Bringing in the caboose, Phil Mickelson at 60-1. Good luck hitting those bombs, Phil. Bombs. Phil's annoying. I love Phil. That's fine. I just think he's annoying. Yeah. I think he's entertaining. He's actually done well on Twitter, though. He's, yeah. I just don't know if Phil's a heel yet or if he's not. When it came to Brooks Kepka, Big Lance said, keep him away from Waffle House and strippers. I don't know about all that. Waffle House has got a pretty good all-star special. Mm-hmm. Two eggs over easy, sausage patties, crispy hash browns with cheese, jalapenos, and tomatoes. A little waffle, a little syrup. Pretty good meal four in the morning so with Gary Woodland leading the U.S. Open he is from Kansas Bill Self is the basketball coach at the University of Kansas and he has a new problem he's got to figure out how to get a basketball to all these hands that he currently has on his team and a month ago we didn't know what Kansas was going to do. We, we didn't know who was going to be suiting up for Kansas. We thought Bill was going to Chicago. Pets' heads were falling off. And now, according to CBS.com, they've come out with a new ranking. I'm just going to give you the top five because that's all that's relevant. Michigan State, number one. Duke, number two. Kentucky, number three. Louisville, number four. Kansas, number five. Reason being, one, it's Kansas. Two, Bill Self. Three, Notable players returning. Azabuki, Devon Dotson, Oche Abachi, Miles, Marcus Garrett, Silvio DeSosa, David McCormick, and then Mitch Nick Price Lightfoot. Expected additions, Isaiah Moss, Jalen Wilson, Isaiah McBride, Christian Braun, and Tristan. I'll let you say that one. And Aruna? There you go. So, Nick Price, I ask you this because it's pretty interesting because you are a KU frat boy at heart. You were a KU frat boy. Yes. So you've got a little bit of ties there. Not a little, a lot. Four weeks ago, what was your confidence in KU's season coming up next season? Out of 100. Uh, out of 100, probably probably like a 30. Seriously, that low? Well, you're that drama. You're that no, 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 dramatic no, no. when it comes to I, it. I'm just like 30 com- out of 100 I'm in just confidence? saying comparatively to the standards that KU has set for themselves. Okay. Like, Where I, are I'm you not at? talking like nat- like. A month or so ago, I was not thinking that this team could go and win a national championship. I do think that they could now. So now you're at a 90. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you've jumped 60% with just the additions of? Of Devon Dotson coming back. Silvio D'Souza getting uh, eligible to play, winning his appeal. I mean, I think those are the two biggest ones. And then they went out and got Isaiah Moss. 
who shot 43% from three at Iowa, and he's got this cool clip going around online right after they picked him up of him scoring, I believe it's like 17 points in 90 seconds against Minnesota to win the game. And then you got Jalen Wilson, who's a four-star, and that's just going along with all these other guys. You got some guys coming back, like Dotson with more experience. McCormick's going to be bigger. You got senior Mitch Lightfoot, your favorite player, Dusty. I don't know. I mean, I think that it's just always the same with KU basketball. The offseason is always the same. It's like get eliminated in March. Everybody declares for the draft. Some people transfer. Everybody freaks out. Every, the sky is falling in Lawrence. And then guess what? Bill Self does it again. He reloads. And now, according to CBSSports.com, they're a top five team in the country. But I don't think this – I mean, I think when you say the sky is falling, I think it's literally just – to those fans. I don't think it is literally falling in when it comes to an aspect of sports. No, not really, like because they do the same thing every year. Before these players were even added to the team, they were still a top 15 team next year. Yeah. They were like around like 11th or 7th, depending on who you looked at. We talked to Matt Tate a couple weeks ago, and even he said the same thing. I don't understand why people always lose their minds. We always know the sun's going to rise in the west, or the east, and it's going to set in the west, and everything's going to be fine at KU. For the record, I am not one of those skies falling kind of people. But you just were. You just said 30% trust. As in winning That's a national falling. championship, though. No, I said confidence in KU. Confidence in KU. You were at a 30% out of 100. That's the sky is falling. 50 would have been like, yeah, we're still Kansas. I don't I know mean, what's going to happen. That, before all of this kind of stuff happened, yeah, I think they probably could have still won the Big 12. And now you're to a 90. Oh, yeah. After three players. That's Bill Self. Yeah. Which I just. What he does. I would love to just be a fly on the wall while Bill Self is going through his burner account and looking at people tweet about Kansas. If you don't think Bill Self has a burner account, you're high. I'm sure it's somewhere. Maybe it's like Sil Belf. I don't know. Yeah. Take the D and the, the B and the S. Something like that. But the thing that's, that'd be too easy. But the thing about it is that the fact that they're always Kansas, and now Bill Self has another problem that he's always kind of had, which is a good problem to have, I guess. And that is you've got a lot of talent but not enough positions. And which then causes this to happen again where guys are like, you know what? I'm not getting a fair shake. I want to go show my talent somewhere else. By the way, look at this shot DeShambo's got to shoot from. Hashtag US Open. Drilled it. If you just saw where his shot started. Um, but it always seems that that is the problem that Bill Self has. Which is a good problem to have. Because if you can take a good crop and you can say, I'm going to take the best seven from this crop. Look at that shot. And... You can pick out the best seven of that. Yes, some guys aren't going to get a fair shake. That's all right. That's why there's a million college programs you can go play for. But here we are again where we have literally taken a 180 to what was Kansas basketball. When we talk about live and local, this is why we talk about Kansas basketball in June. Four weeks ago, we had no idea what Kansas was going to do for the upcoming season. Then all of a sudden, the NCAA gets it right with DeSosa. All of a sudden, as a bouquet, it's like, I'm coming back. Next thing you know, Dotson's coming back. Grimes is leaving because he just wants to go show his talent. So now you know Dotson's main focus is at point guard, which Bill Self is what the point guards that Andy Reid is with quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. I think that's fair. Oh, yeah. Look at his resume. Yeah. And, in fact, one of his point guards sits behind him every single game. And now we're here. Top five, possible favorite to win the national championship. We sit back in our recliner. We say, all right, let's get to that Champions Classic. Let's see how they match up early against one of these powerhouses in Duke, Kentucky, Michigan State. Let's see what they do again. Oh, by the way, we got another Big 12 title to go win. We didn't win it last year, but 
why not start the streak again? Am I right? Am oh, I yeah. fair to say that's where Kansas is again? Yeah, I mean, it's like when I said, will fans it's the same learn, thing every year. I guess when will fans learn is my point. Until Bill's gone? I Honestly, I think that it's just it's something with the expectations that Kansas basketball has of where you're expected to go out and win the Big 12 and go deep in the tournament. And every year, right before the season starts or right after the season starts, people are like, wow, this team could win a national championship. I think that has a lot to do with the overreaction on the other end is the really high expectations. How comfortable are you right now that KU doesn't see any trouble with investigations? That's the biggest worry that I have as a KU grad right now. I'm not, I'm not worried about anything with the roster, with Bill Self, with what's going to happen on the court. That is the only thing right now that I could see that would really, really obviously damage the success of this Jayhawks team coming up in the next season. But currently, right now, the only problem that Kansas has is they've got a lot of talent and they don't have enough basketballs on that team to fill the talent. Yeah, and you see it all the time, too. I mean, there's multiple players that transfer away from KU basically every offseason just because they went to KU because they were a talented guy. But there's nine or ten other talented guys around there, too, and sometimes you don't get the kind of playing time that you want. Coming up, we're going to have some fun, and we need your help. Protein House, eat with a purpose, text line 69306. We've teased it all morning, but it's now time to get there. It's Father's Day tomorrow, and we want the best and the worst fictional dads. So think about it when it comes to TV, when it comes to movies. Who's the best? Who's the worst? Nick and I put a list together. We'll get it for you. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. Back it on Out of Bounds. Very interesting take here from the text line 913. Why not have two different lineups like Calipari? They would make too much sense to ensure almost everyone plays. I don't know if he has enough talent to do two different lineups, but I know he has enough talent where he's got like seven strong players and he'd have to divide. That's weird, but like yeah. Calipari just gets like 10 dudes that can just rock two different squads. That's the thing, too. Like with Bill Self's team, he usually has like a starting five as more experienced guys, right. and then he works in those young guys that still have some to improve on, but I don't know. You may not like this one. Interesting thing to talk about. From the 816, it won't matter about Kansas. Big investigation coming soon. Bill Self Ugh. has put you on a probation, and along with the program, will definitely, I don't know, it starts to get sloppy when they started texting. I know that, 816. I know that. That's fine. Got to be careful when it comes to Nick Price and his Kansas Jayhawks. Love my school. But Father's Day is coming up uh, tomorrow. So we've compiled a list of good slash Bad dads and fictional character sense. So when you think about it, 69306, Protein House, eat with a purpose text line. When it comes to you and it comes to your dads on TV or movies that you've seen, who do you consider in this category? Well, we'll start with the list of good dads because you want, I guess, the good more than the bad. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. And the first good dad I could think of was this guy. And what do you want with this? It's called Needle. Hmm. I believe with the name. And who were you hoping to skewer with Needle, your sister? You know the first thing about sword fighting? Stick him with the pointy end. <laughs> that's the essence of it. 
Ned, Yo- Ned Stark. <laughs> Not Yost. Ned Stark. Eddard Stark. Honorable Ned. Great dad. Oh. Led his daughter to be a soldier to kill the Night King. Stick him with the pointy end is what she told her older sister. Or he thought she was going to skewer his sister with it. Ned Stark. Good dad number one. There's you know, no argument. You know he's great dad too because every time that someone meets one of the Starks, they're like, your father was an honorable man. He was a great man. Everyone loved Ned. Everybody loved Except Ned. Except for Joffrey Baratheon Lannister. Good dad number two. Oh, sir. I saw it. Some angry member of the kitchen staff. Did you not tip them? Oh, the terrorists, they ran that way. It was a run by fruiting. I'll get them, sir. Don't worry. Oh, good waste of juice. Loser. Robin Williams' character, Mrs. Doubtfire, Daniel Hillard. Why is he the second good dad on the list? Because I'll tell you, he dressed up as a woman to see his kids because Sally Field, Miss Gump, was an ass. She didn't like him. She didn't love him. She thought he was too funny. Didn't make a lot of sense. He had the entire San Francisco Zoo come in. The horse ate the cake. He was jumping on the bed. Jumping around was a song they were playing. He liked to play with dinosaurs in a den where they did a TV show. He became a woman to be around his kids. And not only that, he had to watch James Bond make out with his ex-wife. Robin Williams, rest in power, sir. Daniel Hillard was one of the best dads I've ever seen in TV or movies. Miss Doubtfire, you get number two. Number three, it's not really hard either. A lot of people know this guy. You probably grew up with him throughout your life. I was just smelling, smiling. I was just blouse browsing. Wouldn't be the Christmas shopping season if the stores were any less hooter than they are. Harder than they are. Clark Griswold. One of the most iconic movie dads of all time. Of all time. Clark Griswold. Yeah, he does a little scumbag things. All our dads do. I remember my dad used to take me to car washes. Not the ones where you do them yourself. The one where cheerleaders are washing your car. My dad was a married man. He was a little creepy in that, but that's okay. A lot of dads do stuff. Clark Griswold about ran his family off the road staring at Christy Brinkley, who was married to Billy Joel, but he didn't care. She had a really red hot car. She had a nice blonde locks of hair. He tried to put his mini lights up on his house. In fact, he even got an icicle to go through his neighbor's window. Mm-hmm. Clark Griswold, very good dad. Another good dad. Well, I don't know if it's considered a, you know, it's not really a movie, but you know, it is what it is. He's actually a cartoon character. And uh, yeah. Randy, Randy. We love you, Randy. Make love to me, Randy. Arresting me for what? I'm not allowed to stand up for myself? I thought this was America. Huh? Isn't this America? I'm sorry, I thought this was America. Randy Marsh, Stan Marsh's dad in the show South Park. Geologist, always tries to get the city of South Park out of trouble and always comes up through creative ways. He always seems to make sense too. Oh, by the way, he got cancer so he could smoke weed so he was a little less stressed around the house. Mm-hmm. Stan Marsh is a great dad. He's got a great job. He works for the city that does a really good job of keeping things together in South Park until things fall apart. And then sometimes they've got to go back to Randy Marsh to do things. I say good dads always have some really weird qualities to him. He took the biggest, well, the second biggest poop of all time mm-hmm. because he's Randy Marsh and he has to do things and he has to really get going to do things to make sure he sticks out. Randy Marsh is a good dad when it comes to TV and movie dads. And the last one on our list, it's pretty obvious. This guy's an assassin. He's done 17,000 of these movies, and he lets somebody know that if you mess with his daughter, this could happen. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you, and I will kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Enough said right there. You don't even need to follow that up. Liam Neeson, taken. 
He'll kill you if you don't let his daughter go. By the way, the people in Taken 2 and Taken 3, like, stop messing with this guy's daughter. Right? I thought the second one was his wife. Yeah, I don't know. Either way, don't mess with his family. He's a good yeah. dad, and he'll kill you because he's got a certain set of skills. When it comes to honorable mentions, we didn't really know about this one. So we'll leave this to the text line, 69306. Is Uncle Phil an underrated good dad? He wasn't Will Smith's dad, but he brought him into the family and made Will Smith the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I, I say great dad. You don't have to be a biological father to be a great father. When it comes to bad dads, well, number one. I am the father. No. It's not true. That's impossible. Darth Vader. For some reason, the number one lesson that he had to teach his kid was to cut his hand off with a lightsaber. Why couldn't you have burned him in the side? Yeah. Stuck a little hole in his thigh. A little slap on the wrist. Yeah. No, he gave him a slap on the wrist. He just yeah. happened to cut his entire wrist off. That's because Darth Vader's kind of a Richard. He had to take his helmet off, and he looked like a guy that's been in the bathtub too long with your fingers get all wooled up or whatever it is. Darth Vader, bad dad number one. Another bad dad is, well, they're kind of a combined. They're these two guys. Homer Simpson and Peter Griffin are a great team. A greater team than, than, uh-huh, keep going, than something else? Something else? I don't know what this is. It's, okay, I'll do it. Those two guys are terrible fathers. One makes fun of his daughter on the regular by farting in her face and rubbing his burgers on her Shut hat. Shut up, Meg. Not only that, but he let his son get ran over by his mother, Lois, to blame the fall down the stairs that he let his kids watch his son for. And then, not only that, he lets his dog go out and talk tons of crap behind his back Yet dogs are supposed to be man's best friend. I don't get it. Homer Simpson, on the other hand, can't seem to stay awake during his job. He's got a great wife in Marge. He doesn't do anything except strangle his son. And his daughter, Lisa, well, he just doesn't pay enough attention to her, so he's a terrible father. Just what it is. I don't know how to explain it more other than that Homer Simpson and Peter Griffin are the same person, and they're both a terrible father. Another terrible father is not Jack Nicholson, but this one version of Jack Nicholson. Here's Johnny. From The Shining, Jack Torrance. Terrible father. Give me the ball, Danny. Breaks down a door with an axe. Scares the living piss out of everybody at their house. Makes them all move to the middle of nowhere in a giant empty hotel. During a storm during the winter. Ugh. Not only that, he dies like a popsicle. Sucks for him, but he's a terrible father that went to a hotel that's haunted to write a book. Didn't work out. Turns out you got killed for it, and you're a total Richard. That's just what it is. Continuing down the list of bad dads, this one might take the cake. Friday Night Lights, Tim McGraw. Since when can you hold on to the football? I haven't seen it. You hold on to it today? How about yesterday? Did you hold on to the football yesterday? Have you seen him hold on to the football? How about tomorrow? You gonna hold on to it tomorrow? How about now? Can you hold on hold to the football? It, hold on to the football. Maybe this will help. Dad! Tim McGraw might be the biggest worst dad of all time when it comes Ugh. to fictional dads. Friday Night Lights, great movie. Who would have thought Billy Bob Thornton would have came out smelling like a rose? Right. I don't know if you've seen Fargo. Pretty badass. Billy Bob Thornton isn't that. Bad Santa. Still, honestly, Tim McGraw in that movie, that scene when he duct tapes the ball around his son's hand when he's got a little lady over to kind of make some romance, and here comes Tim McGraw drunk off his ass, comes out of a room, duct tapes his kid's hands to a football. I'm sure there's a lot of dads like that in Texas when it comes to football and being like the best in the world, but Tim McGraw in that movie is cringeworthy when it comes to being a bad dad. It's terrible.
And then, of course, my favorite bad dad, Daniel Plainview from There Will Be Blood. This is the face. It's no great mystery. I'm an oil man. Numerous concerns spread across this state. As an oil man, I hope that you'll forgive just good old-fashioned planes. I work side-by-side with my wonderful son, H.W., I think. One or two of you might have met him. Daniel Plainview, for those of you that have not seen There Will Be Blood, is played by Daniel Day-Lewis. It is one of the most fantastic movies. I'm pretty sure he won an Oscar for Best Actor in a Lead Role for that movie, but the concept of that is he becomes this gigantic oil tycoon. One of his co-workers dies because of him, so he adopts his son. The son is deaf, and at the very end, there is a gigantic spiel between he and the son, and it just makes him look like a total, horrible, horrific father that is Daniel Plainview. Now, we, Nick, we have had some honorable mentions. Stannis Baratheon burned yeah. his daughter at the stake. Yeah. Because uh, Melisande wanted him to, right? Is that correct? Yes, sir. Um, and then I'm going to leave this one up for you, and then we'll leave it. We have two toss-ups for good dad, bad dads. I think this guy's a good dad because of how bad he is, and that's Frank Gallagher. You're a bad drunk. I'm a good drunk. Makes me happy. When you drink, you get mean. If it wasn't for me, Lip would be dead right now. Are you seriously telling me to stop drinking? I would never say that to my worst enemy. No, I am telling you there are good drunks and bad drunks. A good drunk is fun. A bad drunk wants to have a fight. A good drunk lives in the present. A bad drunk is thinking about yesterday. 69306 is the number to the text line, the Protein House Eat With a Purpose text line. Let us know what we missed out on. Let us know if you have a dad that you don't like. We've got some others that are honorable mentions. That's our first coin toss, though. Frank Gallagher from Shameless. Is he a good dad? Is he a bad dad? His kids grew up trying not to be him, but yet they still had some qualities of Frank Gallagher. I'm not really sure if he's good or bad. I think he's kind of good because he's very, very intelligent. He's also kind of stays away from them, but he does kind of bring them down. Frank Gallagher of Shameless is a toss-up between good or bad dads. We will revisit this topic. We will get more and more in this, and we will read from the text line that we had in that segment right there alone. But coming up next, man, a lot of you gave us a lot of crap about how bad the ending of Game of Thrones was. There's something that I think was worse to an ending of a season than Game of Thrones. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. Saturday in Kansas City, we are live and local here on 610 Sports Radio. You are currently listening to Out of Bounds. This is your host, Dusty Likens, along with Nick Price. Hey, Dusty. How are you doing, Nick? I'm doing pretty good. Hopefully everyone out there is having a good time on their Saturday. It's lovely weather out there. Got some golf on the television. Royals game today will start at 7 o'clock in Minnesota or 6 o'clock, somewhere around there. Who honestly really cares? It's 610. Cody Tapp will be on the air at 4.30 with Cody Tapp's pregame show. Following this show will be overtime with Chris Unicero and Julio Sanchez. But now that you're back in, we just had our list of good dads, bad dads when it comes to fictional characters and TVs or movies. Somebody from the 816 is Jim Carrey. Ricky Bobby's dad is the worst dad, Clint the Mailman, listener number three. Kevin's dad from Home Alone. How many times can you go on vacation and forget slash leave the same son? Just tuned in, so I'm not sure if you got to this one, but Jenny's dad from Forrest Gump. That's pretty solid. He was a really bad dad. He's the reason she is the reason she is. Uh, please, God, make me a bird so I can fly far, far away. Tiger Woods bogeyed the first hole of the day. Third bogey in a row on his round. Red Foreman, possible plug there. He's a good slash bad dad. Always calling his kid a dumbass, but always giving him the proper way of advice. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Uncle Phil was dope. Cliff Huxtable, Frank Gallagher from Shameless. We talked about him. I think Chris Unicero's texted in. He said, mm-hmm. Goku from Dragon Ball Z, ultimate bad dad. How did Mike Brady not make the list? Well, I'm not into Mike Brady. I think he's just too lame of a dad. He doesn't do anything that's great. He so was I, a good dad, though. I mean, I he's all, like, literally everything out of his mouth is some kind of life lesson. In a fantasy draft, who are you taking first, Mike Brady or Clark Griswold? Uh, Clark Griswold. Thanks. Yeah. He's got better character. Less talky-talky by Dusty, more talky by Nick. Thanks, 816. Yep. Appreciate it. Dusty Salty. I'm not. I just know who that is, and they just don't know what they're talking about. So, Nick Price and I, if you didn't know this, we did a Game of Thrones recap show during the final season of Game of Thrones. And the feedback we got was interesting because people were still interested to know what we were going to talk about, yet people were interested to know how we could take what a lot of people considered a terrible ending to a great show and make it somewhat positive and find something interesting. Kind of like how I thought... The NBA season ended. Now, if you want to know where the live and local aspect is here, you have an NBA champion that played basketball at Wichita State and Fred Van Fleet. He's part of this discussion. So there you go. Live and local. So, in fact, in our lobby, there's a giant TV out here, and it's just a frozen screenshot of Fred Van Fleet screaming at the top of his lungs uh, because there's a Wichita State grad out there somewhere. But the thing that's interesting about the way this NBA season ended was that it ended very, very terrible. I'm not a Golden State fan. I can't claim to be one. I'm not like uh, soon-to-be Miss Vernier, KDB. Gigantic Golden State Warriors fan. But the way that I look at it and the comparison that I make with Game of Thrones is you had a lot of deaths in Game of Thrones. You had a lot of guys go down that were major characters in the final NBA season. When Kevin Durant goes down with the Achilles in the semifinals, And then you think, okay, maybe he could come back in the finals. Oh, they're down 3-1. He needs to come back. And Kevin Durant comes back. He gets 11 points in the first quarter. And you're like, all right, here we go. KD's back. Steph's got some hype. Klay Thompson's in there. Draymond's in there. Maybe Boogie can get in there and get some some points. And then pop goes Kevin Durant's Achilles. And all of a sudden you're like, well, that sucks. Because here's the second best player in the world, probably the best scorer in the world, in Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant wins a title, does he come back? If he doesn't, does he go somewhere else? Now he's got a $31 million team option. Does he stick around? I would think so at this does point. Does he play next year? No. No chance. Not unless Golden State makes the playoffs and they can put him on there. But you talk about a guy that's going to be really cautious. He's yeah. in his 30s. He blew out his Achilles. It's basically the same thing Kobe Bryant did. Then... They made it 3-2, which made it kind of interesting. It was a great ending to a ball game. The first three games were great, similar to the first three episodes of the final season of Game of Thrones. They Mm -hmm. were fantastic. And then it just died off, and it was over. And it was like, seriously, that's the end? And Toronto wins, and Fred Van Fleet is basically Brandon Stark. He's this praise kid that, like, wasn't really anywhere the entire season. And at the very end, he's in the middle of the camera. He's celebrating. Everybody loves him. They think he's great. It's a great reward. Exactly. Kawhi Leonard is about as boring as Sansa Stark, but she's the warden of the North. So is he right now. Kawhi Leonard, I love him. I think he's a great basketball player. He's just boring. He's a lot like Mike Trout. A lot of people know Mike Trout's the best baseball player in baseball. 
A lot of people think Kawhi Leonard might be the best two-guard in all of basketball, depending on where you want to put Steph and Clay. I'd put Steph in a point guard. Right. But when it comes to Kawhi, he's just a silent assassin. He's just like Mike Trout. Not very marketable, very good, respected, but boring. Just a baller. You know, like goes basically. out there, just wants to play the game. About Doesn't care about anything else. Yeah. yeah. And that's basically the way that was. And when it came to that ending in that game, I'm not going to lie to you, Nick Price. I watched every game. Mm-hmm. I watched the entire NBA playoffs. But it just seemed that the way the last two games were, it was just kind of like, that's it. Lights are out. Season's over. Now we have the offseason. Now, we always know the NBA offseason can be what the kids call these days lit. Can be fun. Can be interesting. But when you compare Game of Thrones and the way it ended and the way the NBA season ended, very similar. A lot of sparks leading up to it. A lot of time leading up to it. They play 82 games in the regular season or 80, yeah, 82 or 81 games. Playoffs goes over like a month and a half. Every series is seven games long. If they would have gone to seven games in this finals, the final would have been tonight at 8 o'clock. Tomorrow, yeah. Or tomorrow, I'm sorry, Sunday. Tomorrow on Father's Day would have been at 8 o'clock, which would have made it just about three weeks to play a seven-game series. Sometimes things go too long, and the ending is just overhyped. And that's just the way that this NBA season felt. And I know it's tough to talk about this in a market which is no NBA. Not a lot of people are fans of the NBA in this area, and I get that, but I have to make it comparable to certain things that we have done before. And when it comes to this NBA season and the way it ended, I just was left with the blank bleh. Like, I didn't even watch the postgame celebration. 10 o'clock, that game was over, TV off, I'm in bed. That was it. Well, I knew Kawhi wasn't going to say anything interesting. Yeah, and, like, you could see, like, on the court, he starts, like, cheering, and all of a sudden he, like, stops. He's like, hmm. Oh, crap. Which is fine. That's who he is as a person. But the way that this series finale was built up, I think a lot of people wanted Golden State Philadelphia. Um, a lot more personalities on Philly. You had Embiid, you had Butler, you had uh, what's-his-face that can't shoot, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. And then you had Golden State, the evil empire. Draymond Green, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Cousins. You had all these guys. And then all of a sudden, Kevin Durant goes down, death. Klay Thompson, blown knee, death. You had Drake on the other side. Was he going to go heel? In fact, I've never seen Drake get – I've never seen literally – anything other than an athlete get as many cameras around him and like reporters as Drake had at the end of that game. Mm-hmm. Now, again, they're looking for a quote. They're looking for something entertaining. They know Drake's going to deliver it. And he talks about chips and dip. It is what it is. But the way the NBA season ended, very, very disappointed. And maybe we need to think about shortening the NBA season a little bit shorter. Yeah. And we've talked about that before, but the reason why I was a little disappointing was because I, I think the matchup was actually good. I liked the fact of like Toronto made this one year trade very, very risky, and it ended up getting them to the finals. They matched up pretty well and everything. But like you said, a lot of hype in the first three games and then a letdown. Big letdown because there's just kind of like an asterisk on it because you beat a team that was without two of their three best players and two of the three best players in all of the NBA. So that's it. I promise. No more NBA talk. I just had to talk about the NBA. It's, It's all right. It's okay. Uh, like we said earlier, Father's Day is tomorrow, so if you're a father, congratulations. Bubby, shout out to Bo. Round one of baseball state today at 3.30. Go knock him dead. 
Good luck with your tournament today. Couple of dads that made the list of movie TV dads that are good or bad. Arnold Schwarzenegger from Jingle All the Way. Solid nice. pull there. Oh, yeah. I got to get the Turbo Man doll. It's a Turbo Man. Uh, Kawhi is a three, not a two. I'm sorry. Uh, bad dad, the dad from Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Sure. I've never seen it. I haven't either. Uh, John surprising. C. Riley. It's basically a pun for the movie Walk the Line. Either way, coming up, we're going to revisit what we talked about with Chiefs training camp and what that means for Mahomes and how much hype is around it that's similar to when the Royals won the World Series and what FanFest was. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price. 610 Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 